Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain John Picard of the USS Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starfleet, Deep Space Nine. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm drinking some mezcal that you got me, Adam. Whoa! I didn't know it was that kind of episode. I mean, it, it is now. <laughs> it wasn't... We didn't roll Ben drinks some mezcal. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's that's the implied roll, I think, every time. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's never... It, it, there's never... There's no square on the board that says Ben doesn't drink mezcal. Right. <laughs> this is delicious. It's become a thing that you and I have done on the occasion of our birthdays back and forth. I think the last couple of years we'll get each other a bottle, and, and this time it was your turn. It was my turn. I uh, Yeah, this is another episode that we're recording pre-election, so yeah. just, uh, just, you know, who knows what what chaos this episode will be released into or who knows, not who knows what bottles will be used for in the not too distant future <laughs> i know i might uh, i might be using my last source of fuel very foolishly you might be using a future bathroom ben <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um wasn't it fun to hang out in person last night i feel like since i've moved to los angeles i have seen you uh, less than a handful of times, I think. We've probably seen each other less this year than we have in previous years, many of which we lived more than yeah. a couple thousand miles apart. Yeah, we did one of our favorite things last night. We went and got a distant Korean barbecue dinner together. Yeah. It was fun. I liked it because it was a nice wide table. So you and your wife were on you know, on one end and my, my wife and I were on the other. So it felt like we had good distance between us. But then also... The barbecue in between us, the yeah. the, the heat, that's got to be just cooking those virus particles, right? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, because I'm feeling a scratchy throat that I don't like. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, that's just char from the uh, delicious Korean barbecue we had. Yeah, or just that your throat's a little scratchy from breathing outdoor air from Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been a thing. Very harmful to human health. Really doing a lot of dusting yeah. these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. <laughs> That's one way to put it. When you're in production here, you don't have to use any fogger. Right. Yeah. You have to use like naturally. anti-fogger. Mm -hmm. My wife was supposed to be gone all day working at a, a local polling place, which is, which is cool, which is great. Yeah. But, uh, what happened while she was gone was that I received a package that I was hoping to just open and and use before before any interference could happen. But oh. What happened Like you didn't want her to know that you'd ordered whatever the thing was? Yes. So uh and unfortunately I left it right by the front door and she came back for lunch because the polling place is only a couple blocks away. And she said, Hey, what's this box that says not penis cream? Yeah. Yeah, got the got the got the creaming done earlier, but uh, I what I did is I took J.K. Woodward's two panel comic that that he sent us slash me, oh. and I had it framed up nicely by a previous sponsor of the show, Framebridge, and it is it's it's like a two cut big frame 
display situation of these panels. Oh, nice. And I don't know if you remember the size of these things. They're they're kind of big. I do remember the size of them because I have a, a number of them that I have been meaning to frame. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. So I, I got it back and I haven't opened it because I had to hop on the mic with you, but I had intended on opening it and hanging it and then having <laughs> that be the end of it. And now, now I'm afraid. Now you have to ask permission and not forgiveness. Yep. I wall mounted my television the other day in a way that I was like pretty worried was not going to was not going to be received well like it was it was where we had discussed the tv living in our Mm -hmm. house but it's such a permanent thing that if you like put it up and then you're like "Mm, that's not quite what i had hoped it would be it's like you know you've put like major holes in the wall to do that yeah i mean these are screws the size of bolts going into studs (laughs) to hold a tv up if you're doing it right it's right I mean, you, you can need a lot of putty to fill those things if you can <laughs> make a different decision. Yeah. An, an amount of putty may be equal in volume to that of a man, mm. which is a nice coincidence because today's episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine features a lot of uh, discussion of putty people. You know what's great about when Odo rents an apartment? Uh, he 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 waits until he gets the security deposit back, and then all of the holes reappear that he's covered up with his own body. <laughs> I win again. <laughs> all right, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I've left my forwarding address. <laughs> I won't really miss any of my neighbors. I didn't take the time to know them. <laughs> When you're renting, it just feels different. It's not, doesn't feel like a permanent thing. Yeah. How about an Odo centric episode here? Let's get into it, Ben. It's season seven, episode 14. It's called Chimera. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. Adam, this is an episode that starts with a couple of our cast coming back from a conference in a runabout. And what's worse is one of them fell asleep. That's like the (laughs) most dangerous thing you can do in transit. (laughs) Yeah, when O'Brien comes back out, Odo should be like, hold on, chief. I've got to hit you with a phaser on a low setting to make sure you're not an imposter. Odo should make the sunscreen that you've devised that, that... we've done a mock-up of and haven't been able to sell uh, that makes it look like Odo and O'Brien are awake and operating the runabout. <laughs> that way, if you look at it from the outside, it looks like no one's sleeping. Right, right. Odo's the guy who could fall asleep in class and you'd never know it. Yeah. He doesn't have to draw eyes on his eyelids. <laughs> he can have actual eyes on his eyelids. Yeah. Do you think this is the last time we'll get this setup of a Star Trek episode? Because in Voyager, they're never coming back from a conference. They're they're in the fucking Delta Quadrant. There's no conferences over there. I didn't expect to feel nostalgia this strong so soon. Episode 14. Maybe there are conferences in the Delta Quadrant. Does Janeway ever confer with Delta Quadrant species? If you get squishy with the terminology and you start calling meetings conferences... <laughs> Then I think I think that plays. Yeah. Anyways, this could be the last time we ever see this. So uh, today we stand a legend. Mm. 
Starfleet officers coming back from a conference and something surprising happening yeah. on the return trip. Yeah, that surprising thing is is kind of a uh, an eel-looking octopus thing. Like, I wondered if it was supposed to be what the Gormagander in Star Trek Discovery was meant to look like. It kind of looks like a tin man with tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> Tentacle man. <laughs> <laughs> This thing comes up on them, and they're like, they're you know, they're a little concerned about it. They uh, they don't know whether it's got hostile intentions or not. And then it like disappears from sensors because it's Millennium Falconing their ship. Have your moments. It's on the roof, and O'Brien gets out a machine gun and just shoots zillions of holes in the roof of the runabout. Killing this creature, it drifts away in space, and that's the, the end of the episode. Big mistake by O'Brien, because he gets sucked out through <laughs> through the holes. <laughs> through a bunch of little holes, yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't even go out in one piece. He, he gets, gets cheese gratered through there, and <laughs> it's awful. It happened too fast. <laughs> I only, you might think I, I have an infinite amount of fingers to stick in an infinite amount of holes, but I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Doesn't work like that, Chief. Sorry. RSVP O'Brien. Interesting bit of like, I know what they're trying to do here. Like, you're trying to experience this from the inside and you're hearing all these scary sounds. You're, you're never going back to the exterior of the runabout. You're experiencing this moment as Odo and O'Brien, and they're hearing things, and they're looking around. I love what has to be in the script as angle on, beam. <laughs> <laughs> they, they keep cutting back to this angle at, in the corner of a wall that is like a static shot, like... Like, like your second the editor is like, did you guys not get any other coverage of the inside of the runabout? Your second unit guy is going out and shooting coverage. Is like, really? Uh, you don't want this twice, do you? Because I'm, I'm just going to give it to you once, and you're just going to use it twice. That's yeah. what's going to happen, and that's what happens here. Gold comes gushing out of the uh, out of the heat register near yeah. the floor, and a shapeshifter takes shape in front of them. A shapeshifter played by J.G. Hertzler. Yeah. He he finally found a two-eyed character to play. I didn't recognize him with both eyes open. It was it was it took me like half the episode to put it together. The voice though. Yeah. Hard to hard to disguise that voice. So great. One of the great voices in Star Trek. Indeed. He's going go by a different name though, which is fun. Yeah, he calls himself a metamorph. He calls Odo a metamorph and Odo's like, "Fuck you, changeling." <laughs> Changeling or nothing. Yeah. You're wrong to use that terminology. He's one of those uh, those changelings in a bottle is the story, like one of the hundred. As yeah. as legend says, Odo's met one of these guys before, or what he thought was, was one of them, back when right. he did experiments on the little guy, and the little guy died at the end. That was right. sad. This guy lived. He lives. It's a good thing I didn't find you earlier Two seasons ago. <laughs> that would not have worked out. 
he he realizes that this guy can't be a founder pretty early on because this guy is not a does not appear to be a pile of dead skin cells. Right. He's not flaking away. Yeah, the the <laughs> angle on the floor register would have looked a lot different if it if like just a bunch of cornflakes came out. <laughs> but, Chills the bones. Yeah, you only shoot that scene once. I mean, I think that that's good writing though, right? Like you can't you can't quite tell this story unless Odo is a thousand percent sure he is not with the baddies. Mm-hmm. He's one of the hundred. I'm sure of it. Getting that established right up top, I feel like, was the right move. Like the the script had to do that, or this would be a a different and worse episode. I think we cut right to the scene where Odo asks his dad if he can keep the puppy he found. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to trust me on this. And Cisco trusts him. I mean, as a symbol of the trust you were just describing a moment ago. All right, constable. We trust his judgment on these things, and, and so does Cisco. Yeah, I mean, I think that you get in this scene that Cisco has concerns about this situation. Like, he he wants to be reassured that this dude is, is not a founder, but more than that, I think Cisco can see the potential problems that this could present because everyone else is hella suspicious of founders and rightfully so founders are always infiltrating and killing but even ben cisco knows that we haven't had an episode that's odo centric in quite a while and so he allows (laughs) this adventure to begin yeah he gets that trust extended and uh he is able to go spring his new metamorph buddy from jail and we learn a little bit about this guy's story he is way older than Odo. We get this story via an exposition walk on the promenade, which has a very interesting cut in the middle. This is a very long runner that goes on for like, I feel like a minute and a half. And then I feel like I'm familiar with this technique by doing it myself, like like in college, like (laughs) like you, you need to have a cut because your actors aren't going to be able to produce dialogue 10 pages long and so you just sort of float the camera into a natural transition but what's weird is in this scene they float the camera at the window and they cut back to what almost looks like back to one (laughs) where they continue the action and the exposition one thing i always wonder about the promenade set is how much of a ring it is that's what this scene made me think was that it's not long enough to do all of it it's not a complete circle like you couldn't run all the way around it you know for kids is but is it like a quarter of a ring or is it a half of a ring i feel like it could be a half I don't feel like they got super far on this walk. This is like one of those on-camera walks where in real life, you and I would be like grinding our teeth at right. people who walk this slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're in Manhattan, you're you're late for a meeting downtown and somehow you get stuck behind Odo and Loss and you're just like, give me a fucking break, guys. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, except uh, Loss is walking around New York uh, saying very disparaging things about uh, all the people he's seeing, and, and they're yeah. in earshot. So it, it's starting off on that kind of foot. Loss has a, a, a much more developed sense of anti-monoform slash anti-solid slash anti-humanoid bias. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and he considers Odo to be kind of a naive idiot because Odo's only been 
in the game for 30 years, so he hasn't learned just how treacherous the solids can be. Yeah. It's all still so new to you. It's interesting. Like, these are both very, like, strongly opinionated guys. They both, like, really believe in their worldviews. And Odo's, like, really making the pitch to loss at the beginning of this scene. Like, hey, there's this war going on. The species that we come from started it. I don't agree with what they're doing. I, I hope you will join me in thinking that it's an unjust and unnecessary war. Well, that's the thing about about two people who have very specific and strong worldviews when one of them has an open mind. Like, right. this is that kind of conflict. Odo also has a pretty exciting party trick to show Lost to, uh, to sweeten the deal. Let me show you where you'll be staying. They go back to Odo's apartment, which Odo hasn't used in a long time. And, um... He's like, you know, pulling all the all the bed linens off all the furniture that's been there because Odo's been in Kira's quarters for so long. And this is when Loss sees the framed photo of of uh, it's not major, it's uh, Colonel of the framed photo of Colonel Kira on uh, Odo's one piece of non shapeshift furniture. <laughs> There's a we see the angle on the frame and then the bucket just below. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we know Odo's not in it, but why is there all that fluid in the bucket? Yeah, what is that coming from? Yeah, weird. <laughs> so this is where Lass gets very, very dismissive of the attachment that Odo has made to a non-shapeshifter, and uh, and it also kind of puts him in the mind to to start asking a couple of questions about like what Odo knows about shapeshifter biology he's like so uh do we fuck <laughs> and i was like as a matter of fact we can fuck right now you don't even have to go to the bathroom first or anything like <laughs> like right here yeah put her there I'm- pal <laughs> <laughs> they get down baby they go full gold is this the first time we've seen because i think every other time we've seen this happen it's been between change leader and odo which or odo and an entire lake which are two characters played by opposite genders i felt like this was a unique moment because these are two actors of the same gender doing what i think the episode is signaling as a closer than intimate closer than than corporeal sex kind of activity. It's yeah, it's really interesting because to the extent that when I saw this happen, I was like, Kira's going to be pissed. Like, right? Th- I is, thought the same thing. Like, yeah. and I was surprised when she wasn't. I was too. Maybe it's maybe she's just like really evolved, and they hadn't had like a specific conversation about that. You know, like they hadn't they hadn't had the talk about. I was expecting the next scene for Oda to walk in and Kira to be like, "Let me smell your arm." <laughs> 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 I I actually uh I I need to go wash it. <laughs> oh uh <laughs> I actually have some psoriasis yeah. on it. Um I'm using a, a bit of a an a cream. Yeah, I uh I, I helped Cork clear clear out a uh a, an incinerator in the bar <laughs> earlier and I forgot to wash my hands after, so it's you really don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that to you and me, this feels like cheating. 
the episode never really explores that though like it seems yeah. to head faint toward that and then not engage with it for some reason yeah Lass appears to achieve some insight by linking with Odo and that is that Odo would be a founder if it weren't for Kira yeah he's, Odo's anti-war talk is all talk yeah Kira's the only yeah. thing keeping him on Deep Space Nine. Hey, Odo, why don't you save linking for like the second or third date or whatever? Like, this guy knows everything about you now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's like an interesting thought experiment too. Like, what if Kira had like hard rejected Odo and it had turned him into a villain? Like, I don't, I don't know if I believe Loss because of that. Like, it's hard for me to imagine him being like, fine, then I'm going to be with them and you can all fuck yourselves. You know what the unfortunate outcome of that decision might have been is that uh, Kira gets nothing to do instead of very little to do in season seven up until now, you know? Right. She was such a, a central character to the thing that... I don't know. She feels very uh, on the margins now and just a love interest type figure. It's very strange, like taking Ducat kind of out of her sphere of conflict. Mm -hmm. And I mean, no question Ducat is coming back, but it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't seem like he and Kira are two antipodes that are always fighting anymore. It seems like he's kind of, uh, you know, more a more a villain to Cisco than to her. Right. Odo makes a crucial mistake, which is, I mean, the fr- he makes a lot of mistakes this episode. The first one, bonding too soon. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and, like, introduces someone that he's just bonded with to your group of friends, like, right. later on that day. He's moving too fast. A lot of pressure to put on Loss to, you know, be charming. And, and yeah. Loss kind of doesn't play his cards that well. He He walks into the bar. He's up on his golden high horse the second he comes in i prefer the so-called primitive life forms you got to get a table if you're the gang though right like i don't i'm putting a lot of this on loss Mm -hmm. but also like there's nowhere for him to sit they aren't exactly physically welcoming to him yeah you know it's also a little bit of a fuck you to invite loss and odo to a hang at a bar two guys that can't consume anything yeah yeah, where should the hang have been? Anywhere else? <laughs> Out in space, where he could become Tentacle Man? <laughs> <laughs> what if they'd all put on spacesuits and just enjoyed Loss and Odo being Tentacle yeah. Men? Mr. Wolf, do you remember your zero-G combat training? Loss has that affect of a kid who just came back from their first year in college who thinks that they are very smart about everything in the entire world and can't wait to throw that back into their friends' faces who went to community college yeah, or, he's like or whatever. Dabbling in vegetarianism. Yeah. <laughs> makes a, makes a Bashir feel bad about ordering a steak. Um, you better keep that warm. Yeah. He's got that kind of vibe. The social o- obligation does not go well, Enterprise. I love seeing this gear in, in Hertzler, though. A... An actor who's who plays a character that is very on the surface at all times, and with Loss, he's he's almost like casually aggressive at these people, where where he's overtly aggressive as Martok on this show. Yeah, 
I uh, I especially loved the interaction he had with O'Brien in this because like this is their second interaction mm-hmm. since the first one where O'Brien had him at gunpoint, and he basically implies that that O'Brien uh, is doing speciesism at them, like yeah, <laughs> and like O'Brien has to do that like. What are you saying, bro? We're not the ones who can disguise ourselves as anything we want. If you want to say something, come out and say it. And uh, he says, you're, what you're saying is that shapeshifters can't be trusted. And O'Brien flips that shit back in his face. I trust Odo. Bashir tries to, like, change the gears of the conversation by stammering. He's like, uh, I'll drink anything. <laughs> <laughs> and last kind of like his eyes find Bashir and then he kind of backs away. <laughs> that's that's kind of how the, how the scene ends. Yeah. Uh, Odo and Loss walk out of there and Loss is like, so uh, you want to fuck again? And Odo's like, we're walking in the middle of the street. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm actually really tired from the first time. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a headache right now. It's just, it, it's not a good, it's not a good night for me. Lass is that kind of libertarian that is like, yeah, everyone should be free to do anything they want, period. Like, without thinking about how your actions could uh, could have an effect on anyone else. He's making the case that like, hey, if the other f- founders are assholes, we could go off and start our own link. With blackjack and hookers. We could start a kiddie pool, you're saying. <laughs> and then you find a changeling, and then they find a changeling. <laughs> And on and on. I'd like to tell you about an organization I've become very (laughs) excited about. And it's an opportunity to rethink the way links work in general. We may need to brand your your bucket. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. A pair. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. This proposition is really interesting to me. The idea of starting a new link, I think, is fascinating and it's fascinating to odo he doesn't like there are a lot of things to dismiss about loss Mm -hmm. like having sex with him on the promenade in full view of everyone right but this this has got his curiosity and his attention and later he tells kira what happened on the promenade and kira's like did you fuck him on on the promenade that'd that'd be (laughs) weird like in full view of everyone I think you never that, fucked me on the promenade. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, Odo could like turn into a, a opaque tent on the promenade <laughs> and fuck Kira inside of it, right? <laughs> it's actually a thing we're dabbling in. It's, it's both public and private at the same time. It's very zesty. <laughs> I mean, I would say that Kira is Link curious. Yeah. But is she Link positive? This is the scene where you expected the, you didn't link with Lost, did you? I told him I'd think about it. I didn't want to dismiss it out of hand. He would have taken offense. Like, we need to talk about boundaries. <laughs> this, is, this is when I expected that to happen. But no, Kira, instead, Kira feels bad that she can't know him the way that Lost does. And there's the, there's the introduction of, I think envy is probably too strong a word, but... I don't know. I think a lot of relationships have this, like like that feeling of like when your when your partner has a very best friend, right? And you and you see how much joy they get out of being with that person. You're like, yeah, I know, like I'm with this person, but also, like you can't help but feel some feelings about that, yeah. and that can manifest in a lot of ways. Like 
with Kira, I think they manifest in kind of a healthy way. Like, like she's not taking this poorly the way that a jealous person would be like, I don't want you to hang out with Lass anymore because you and I are supposed to be the best friends in the world. She is remarkably unthreatened by this. And and yeah. I think like she is what she's trying to do with Odo is get to the bottom of where his identity crisis is coming from. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I really love how you turned to camera for that too. <laughs> it's nice. I was about to say identity crisis and I realized I could say something much better. You know what? There was so little time. Like I didn't think that you came up with an idea in that little in that little pause you took. Oh, I did. It didn't seem like enough time to do it. I, I came up with an idea, Adam. <laughs> it wasn't a good idea, but I came up with it. <laughs> I love it. But the pitch that Loss has been making is like, hey, um, like this all sucks, but also like the deal you have here is incredibly confining. Like if you don't feel like you can just be yourself in public, you can't fuck me right here on the promenade, <laughs> then these people are putting a restrictor on your freedom. And if you're if 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 they've made you feel shame about public linking, then that's that's something you need to like deprogram in yourself. And I think Kira is like trying to get Odo to like actually reckon with that in this scene in a way that I thought was cool. It's an interesting tension because I mean, there's the tension he feels with his special person about the situation, but then there's also the tension with Loss, who is seem who's like far more worldly and experienced. Like there's mm -hmm. an excitement that Odo feels by by being with this person. Yeah. Like when Lost turns himself into fire in a kind of <laughs> stupid changeling trick. <laughs> Lost is like, have you ever become fire before? It's great. Trust me. That's something you'd be talking about on the ride home. No, Paul Schaefer plays a little like music riff to get him off stage. All right. Yeah, and in the next scene, uh, Odo walks out into the promenade and sees like an aquarium filled with watermelons dropped off the top. Lass <laughs> is like, have you ever been in an aquarium full of watermelons, Odo? It's fucking great. Odo, in con confronting Lass, drags Lass for his so lack of social skills. Hmm. He's like, you've been around for 200 years. You meet your first other changeling and you're a dick to me? <laughs> I don't feel super confident for your ability to start another link, frankly. Or to lead a cult. Like, if what they're going to do is is make, an, make the new link, the, yeah. the N-U umlaut L-Y-N-K, <laughs> like, he's going to be a terrible leader of that. Right. You need people skills to run a cult. He's going to pick terrible colors for the sashes. He's yeah. not going to come up with compelling names for the different thought technologies. No. Laz is like, uh, so, got time for a little afternoon link? <laughs> Odo's like, cut it out. I'm so, I'm so tired. <laughs> I, I'm not walking right. After the last two times, and honestly, I need some time to recover. I can't hold my arm out straight. <laughs> Loss is going ape, though, with, yeah. with all of the different tricks he can do. And the next one is turn into a knee-deep mist on the promenade. This looked like the funnest day on set at Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah. And honestly, like this, these scenes were a delight to watch. Just the idea of becoming fire or becoming mist... Like, yeah. big fun. 
this really sets people off. Like this mist. This, this <laughs> There's like a kid who walks into frame and is like, I've got the mist in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> some some other ladies like puking in the corner, <laughs> mist coming out of her nostrils. Dr. Bashir is like scooping it into his <laughs> mouth desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Try and get as much as you can. It's condensing on top of my tongue. <laughs> it's all fun and game until it stresses O'Brien out about work. He, he tells Odo, like, hey, listen, this is like making me feel like I broke something with the <laughs> environmental systems. Gotta go see what the problem is. Oh, bother, Chief. There's nothing wrong with the environmental system. Where's all this fog coming from? And Odo tells the mist, all right, you've had your fun. Take human form again. What's he doing? being fog what's it look like another instance of Lass wanting to do whatever the fuck he wants no matter what the consequences are to anyone else yeah so he takes shape and this is when some local Klingon warriors come up and uh, and start threatening Lass and this turns into some of the greatest shapeshifter special effects I feel like we've seen because Loss will just like snap his fingers and suddenly there's a sword in his hand and then the sword like gets super long and he stabs a guy in the chest. Yeah, it's very Terminator 2 Robert Patrick style. Right. In a way, I thought we'd see so much more out of Odo for the entire run of this show. Yeah, like these these effects are sold more subtly than Terminator yeah. 2 because he just does it and... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like this, like Odo was sort of set up to be doing like two or three of these party tricks every single episode and they sort of didn't for whatever reason. But I feel like it makes it feel special when you do see it. It does feel special when you see that knife go go straight home <laughs> into that guy's into that guy's chest. It feels good. It feels good to watch it. I like to watch. These Klingons, I feel like they could be cameo random Klingon people or whatever. Uh These guys are great. Your hands are stained with the blood of Klingon warriors. As cool as Loss is and what he's doing in this episode, I feel like sometimes you get a Klingon that like doesn't quite look right in the loaf. Who really looks he just looks off somehow. Both of these guys like like they might look like they're uh they're Star Trek the experience actors. Like <laughs> Yeah, that guy. we watched the, that uh that recent Mirror Universe episode when we were talking about how the Klingons all seemed like they had like been directed to just play it as straight as possible. Yeah. Like not not Klingon it up at all. Uh both of these guys, I just I wanted to call attention to them. I thought they were great in this scene. They they looked <laughs> and sounded and acted the part. Yeah. There, there's the two guys in front, and then I think in the background I spotted Tolary Kadavid. <laughs> yeah. Do you respect knives? <laughs> I saw you stab that guy. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, I mean, th- what do you do after there's a murder on the promenade? You, got, you have to have a McLaughlin group about it. Issue one. And uh, <laughs> in this meeting, Odo is uh, pretty indignant about the whole thing. Uh, yeah. he, he feels like this is this is the law coming down especially hard on someone who murdered a Klingon on the promenade. I love how how Worf is in this scene with one line. Delicious. He's just there to look to be in soft focus as as a person who represents the Klingons in this matter. And and he's p- fucking pissed about it. Yeah, because this dude died. The even though he was like probably 50 feet from the infirmary he couldn't be saved from a knife wound 
Right. Maybe that knife like split off in a zillion directions when it went into his chest. There's just a pink blotch on the carpet <laughs> where he was. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about extraditing loss. There's going to be a hearing to take him back to Kronos for proper Klingon-style punishment. I'd like to know what that is. Like, what did the Klingons have in mind for executing a changeling? Yeah. He's taken to Rurapente, and he, he gets his own, his entire own tunnel to, to mine in. Yeah. So he can, he can shapeshift to be multiple miners. Yeah. Welcome to our, to our prison planet. There is no electronic frontier. There is no bucket. What are you doing now? Odo is even trying to argue that Loss was like acting in self-defense. Like, give me a fucking break, Odo. They were confronting him, but they weren't threatening him. And like the one guy that pulled out the knife, you had control over. That's the thing. I mean, none of our officers wear body cams. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Jesus. Shouldn't there be cameras in the in the promenade? We say this all the time. The The idea that that Will Riker could watch an entire episode of Star Trek in, yeah. the, in the pilot episode of TNG. And, and then it's just a Klingon's word versus... <laughs> A gold. It's very frustrating because even even if they had the video footage, I think it doesn't like it does not negate what Odo's saying. His his like his perspective is his perspective on a factual matter, and I think seeing it doesn't quite change it. He is pretty worked up about this, and he has a conversation with Quark, who is there to give voice to the hey it's just uh, it's just in our nature as humanoids to hate and want to kill anyone that isn't just like us watch your step odo i mean you might disagree with what he's saying ben but uh i'll defend to the death his right to say it <laughs> I really like this moment for Quark. Every, it feels like every once in a while, Quark will parachute into an episode with a monologue that is very thought-provoking. Well, I like that it, they put it in his mouth because he is a he's a bad. He he is a villain most of the time, and him making the rational case for speciesism is. It's very thought provoking, and and I think it, like what it made me think about was especially because it was so personal to him, right? Like he right. has a lived in experience that is that that makes this feel less hateful and more experiential. I mean, like he is projecting something pretty big on all humanoids that is something that he personally feels. Mm -hmm. But I also think that it kind of highlights something that is problematic about the way Star Trek in general sets up conflicts, oh, which boy. is that. It, it winds up being species versus species. So it does kind of feel like it can dip into like, well, our race has got to win because because we're better kind of yeah. kind of stuff. Like You're right. Star Trek is deeply racist. This is exactly my point, Adam. Yeah. And they can't help it because it's, it's in their DNA. <laughs> They're only humanoid. If you could only hear yourselves. Odo goes to visit Lass in the brig uh inspired i guess by quark's words <laughs> can the brig even hold him i guess it can so far 
I wish that were an added element to this thing. Like the the underpinning of Lass allowing himself to go through the joke of being prosecuted about this. Like he's he's already got such an attitude problem against monomorphs that like right. this could be an added level of emphasis of, of how he detests the solids and their way of life well odo actually asks the uh, the guard in the in the jail like how, how is it going as far as keeping him in there and the guard is like he's been attacking the fences systematically <laughs> he never attacks the same spot twice he remembers when you see the last in front of you, <laughs> you also fail to see Lass's left hand way over there in your field of view. <laughs> and Lass's right hand almost entirely in the opposite direction over there. There's no, f- there's no field of view that any humanoid would have that could see all of Lass at once. Clever gold. <laughs> We're dumb. Yeah. Anyways, Odo can't meet with this guy without security present yeah he needs a chaperone this time they're not gonna fuck in front of the chaperone (laughs) they have kind of one last confrontation before loss is inevitably taken to Kronos and put in a blender or something and uh and Lost kind of like he remains convinced of his worldview, right? He's like he's like the the people that you've chosen to live your life with are all going to die. They are afraid of you, and they probably would hate you if if they knew about you what I know about you. This scene acts as like Odo is, has has stood firm throughout the episode about about how he feels about the world and how he feels about the people. I mean, as firm as I can stand, given the nature of my body. But Lass kind of tips him over here a little bit, off balance, and Kira finally knocks him over in the scene that follows because Kira interrogates whether or not the love that they have with each other is real if Odo isn't sure about who he is and how he fits into the world. Maybe you do belong out there. What is Kira in love with is is the question. Is it yeah. is it is it the real guy or is it who he presents himself as? Is it the shape that he appears to be? Yeah. And she is trying to make the case for like I love and trust you and that's authentic and genuine whatever is happening and he has to admit like yeah like being being with you has been the happiest I've ever been too, but now I'm starting to wonder if I'm foreclosing on a like much bigger destiny for myself because I'm I am not embracing the changeling part of my of my life. It's hard to avoid all of the real life comparisons that a moment like this can invite. But I wonder like I wonder how hard it is as a writer to to distinguish this in some way from what I think many, if not all people feel in their own relationships. Like, does anyone ever really feel like who they're with knows them a hundred percent? And introducing that kind of doubt in this scene made me, made me doubt it in myself. Like I, it really made me think about it. I mean, like the cultural, the, the like, fractional cultural differences between my upbringing and my wife's upbringing have led to conversations like not quite this intense but like i feel like anybody can see themselves in it you know like yeah 
oh, like this was something that I thought was really important to me and I have changed it because of my relationship and and like what does that mean? Like does that yeah. does that mean I've erased myself or something or 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 am I asking my partner to erase something about themselves? And it's a conflict that doesn't really end because Odo kind of boils over and Kira walks out of the room and presumably walks straight mm-hmm. to the brig where she is in fact allowed to meet with the prisoner. Uh, I love that moment. A chaperone. <laughs> Anything for you, Colonel? Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a, I got a smoke. I'll, I'll go blow a butt on the promenade. Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, she lets Lost go. Yeah. I say we let Lost go. <laughs> no. <laughs> Guess I'll be on my way then. <laughs> Loss walks out of the brig, knocks over a row of parked motorcycles, and oh, yeah. leaves the station. <laughs> morn, 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 sweet morn, morn, morn. You hear, buddy? Morn. Stop. Hammer time. The scene in the aftermath is really interesting to me tonally because I think you could argue both sides of whether or not Cisco is taking this moment seriously, as seriously as he could or should, or if he's just going through the motions. I wonder what Cisco was doing other than this on this day. <laughs> you know, like was was Cisco dealing with like a major diplomatic incident with the Bajoran provisional government or like having profit experiences or something else because it seems it does se- sort of seem like he's like, "Uh, I guess we got to find him or something." You could forgive Cisco for calling back the earlier scene in the episode where he's like, Odo, you told me things were going to be fine. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I have other things to do here. Look at this wall of names. You broke your promise to me. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I will trust you just as much next episode. I think it's okay for Cisco to be specifically angry at Odo here. But yeah. even if he were, Odo is not betraying the feelings of someone who has bad feelings about this. Odo is is like glad he escaped. Yeah. And he can barely hide it. This is something that Kira calls him on on the lift afterwards. You didn't hide it very well. That you're glad he escaped. And she gives him some good news. She's actually arranged for a loss to go hide on some deserted mining planet where Odo can uh, meet up with him in some Star Trek caves. They're keeping him on Rurupente. Uh, no stockade, no wall, yada, yada, yada. Odo shows up and kicks Loss in the nuts, and Loss is like, come on, man, that doesn't work here. You know that. Not everybody keeps their genitals in the same place, Captain. Hey, can we call, uh, can we call them K-N-U-T-S when we're talking about the nuts of the guy who, who keeps them in his knee? <laughs> kicks them in the, in the knuts? Yeah. I like it. All right. Uh, in five years, when we're able to tour again, and we've and we've gotten through other Star Trek things, and we're touring undiscovered country, look for that joke, folks. I think uh, a, an audio medium is the perfect place for a spelling joke. It takes a lot of effort. I don't doubt it. Anyway, this is the scene that, if you didn't know, now you know. Kira's a great person. She did that thing that you're supposed to do, right? If you love someone let them run free and if they come back it was meant to be people have been letting me go my entire life that's how i know so many people love me ben they, <laughs> they just do nothing but let me go 
and over I, and, and over again. And, and you don't test the proposition by trying to go back ever. <laughs> no, I mean they've proven their point. They love me. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think that's not quite how that works, Adam. <laughs> I think that's what you'll find. Uh, Loss is like, hey, cool. So uh, we're off to start uh, our own link. And I was like, actually, not so fast, Loss. I feel like Kira really reaffirmed our thing. So I'm going to go back and uh, do that. Goodbye is a dish best served cold and in person. <laughs> Pretty classy move by Odo here, I thought. He yeah. could have just left Loss hanging for like hundreds of years. How long would Loss have waited? He could have left Loss hanging, but Loss does leave him hanging because Odo tries to goodbye fuck Loss and Loss walks right past his proffered arm. It, uh, <laughs> boy, when, uh, when the goodbye fuck is offered and not taken, that is a very painful moment. <laughs> I really feel like I made myself vulnerable there. And the fact that you just walked past me, I I really don't think that we're going to be able to ever be truly friends after this. Does Lost turn into Tentacle Man as soon as he leaves? Does he fly up into space? How did he even get there? I don't know. They said that he turned into plasma to, like, get off the station, I think. Oh, yeah. So I I guess you can be plasma, float up into the atmosphere and out into space and then turn into Tentacle Man. I mean, when you're lost, you can do anything. You probably turned to a cloud first and just did a, a pretty chill ascent to the uh, <laughs> to the stratosphere and then turned into plasma. Very chill ascent. Kira is praying for Odo when he comes back. And, uh... Her prayers are answered. Yeah, prayers are answered in the moment. Like, she's in that good with the prophets that they deliver exactly what she's asking for. I mean, that's how you get a follower right there. Yeah. She's she's in for good now. <laughs> totally. And uh, the button on the episode is the steamiest sex scene in Star Trek history. Yeah. See what I did there? I do. I like it. Odo becomes a glowing mist of pleasure for Kira. And there are... God, there, I feel like 49 out of 50 reactions here look cheesy and bad yeah but the now visitor is somehow able to find the one that is neither and is like good and sexy and not creepy and and not weird and bad yeah like it it it's she seems to be experiencing genuine pleasure and it's just a woman on a weird spaceship set walking in circles with her hands above her head. <laughs> like she should have won a, a, an Emmy just for this moment. I agree. Yeah. The direction must have been uh, watch the sex candle episode and don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I wonder if the director of this episode, if if they had the chance to direct Gates, if, if she would have had, if she, if she would have made different decisions. W slash R slash T, the candle. This episode is distinctly uncorny in the way of sex candle episode. Yeah. And could have been in a couple of spots. Yeah. So uh, I guess the question, Adam, and uh, now that we've entered our refractory period is, did you mm. like the episode? You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it, do it. This sure started out like an episode that I wouldn't like by the end, but uh, by the end I did really like it quite a bit. I think 
If you don't get Lass right with the right actor, I think this episode could have really sucked. Yeah. I wonder how they picked actor, because it's not obvious to bring another recurring character actor. I mean, like, they do it with uh, with Brunt and Wayun, but... What I well speaking of them, what I what I read was that they thought to bring in Jeffrey Combs and even Andrew Robinson to to play this role because it it felt like a little bit bigger than just a guest actor of the week type of character. Yeah. So they so they wanted to audition some of their own, and I mean, Andy Robinson is a great actor, but you can't you can't obscure that voice. He's always going to sound like him, and I guess Hertzler had that gear in his voice where where he could. And that's why that's why they chose him. I'm really glad they did because I think uh, the episode is good because of that choice. The, the episode is good not just because of that choice, but um, it's a big reason for it. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was a really solid episode. It feels like it is meditating on like big issues like racism and xenophobia and identity and the way those things collide with your romantic relationships in a uniquely Star Trek way, but in a way that is also like sophisticated and not kind of like pulling the punches and not and not failing to fully reckon with some of the implications of those things. So yeah. I thought it was really good. Uh, always a surprise in our priority one mail inbox. What do you say we go check out what is waiting for us there? Let's do it. Only occasionally tentacular <laughs> is our P1 box. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. And it goes like this. Wine miles are dangerous. Hi, Blondie. Sorry, Grind Fairy. Hi, Marbles. You just promised we'd do a Hauer power to Riker and Picard being cooler than Evryon if I bought a P1. I did. You lied and only dia minute. I said I'd upgrade to a promotional if we did the Eniter hour, (laughs) which I clearly have. I blacked out after buying this. Shout out to Daniel for allowing me to make edits. <laughs> what edits? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't see any evidence of edits. <laughs> when will GGC IV colon the journey out of your home come to Boston? You'll get real props and malort. On on. Wow. I love it. A post power hour P1. That is strong work. Yeah, did not did not detect the edits, and uh, and that's fine. Um, I can't wait to get back to Boston on tour. Boy, Boston, one of the great places to do a show, that's for sure. If our cruel and shitty government hasn't la- allowed all of the local independent venues to go out of business, we'll be back. Absolutely. That's a promise. The uh, call to action here is the Friends of DeSoto H3, led by Wiki and Blondie, is announcing that we will do a virtual power hour to Riker and Picard being cooler than everyone. 
virtual power hour. I guess that's a power hour you do by yourself and hope that other people are doing it at the same time as you. Hmm. Sounds like a Thursday to me. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from Michael. It's to Kate. The message goes like this. Last year, you agreed to go to the Boston show with only my assurance that it would probably be funny. Ben and Adam <laughs> said that you were a keeper for that, but I already knew. And now you're a friend of DeSoto as well. Wow. Can't wait until you're back in NYC and for Dax Cat to start acting more like her namesake and less <laughs> like a womp rat. <laughs> in parentheses, it says the show was funny. Wow. Another Boston area P1 coming through. Got a two-pack from Boston. Boston is representing. Wouldn't you love for your city to be representing the way Boston is representing? If so, <laughs> head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and uh, schedule a Priority One message where uh, I see June Jumbotron scheduled on this calendar. So if you want a 2021 Jumbotron, uh, you're looking at the back half of 2021 at this point. It's, f it's filling up. I'm just warning you. Gotta get that, get that gold press action. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, the code is SCARVES. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe.
It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a... A drunk Shimoda. Drunk Shimoda. I thought I knew who it was going to be until the very last scene. And then, I mean, you got to, I had to change my mind. The last scene. <laughs> when you, uh, when you get off to Odo as Aurora Borealis, <laughs> you're my drunk Shimoda, baby. That, uh, oh, man. There can be no doubt in my mind. Uh, great moment. That's, uh, that is such a compelling case, Adam, that I'm I'm drawing a line through the name that I had on my notebook. I'm going to join you on the Kira Square. She is my drunk Shimoda as well. Yeah, Odo was positively glowing, and then and then Kira was, but uh, <laughs> Odo was glowing first, which is not something that I that I agree with normally. Yeah, right. But at least she got hers. Right. Not too long after, also. Honestly, if if he can glow first and still get her there, like yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. The important thing is is that they both got there. Yeah, that's the important thing. <laughs> well, we both got to the uh almost end of the episode. Ben, we gotta figure out what's next. We do. Um the next episode is season seven, episode fifteen. It's called Bada Bing, Bada Bang. They could have called this episode that. <laughs> Suppose so, yeah. I mean, but that would have given away the ending, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, a glitch in Vic Fontaine's Sweet program leads the crew to attempt a daring heist of a mob-run casino. I love a heist. I love it when you get the gang together to uh, to play a little jazz horse or Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. online. I imagine they're gonna they're gonna get the crew together and then they're gonna get griefed for an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the there's thirteen year olds on there that do nothing but jazz horse and are way yeah. better than you. Yeah. And thirteen have all year the good olds guns playing, and stuff. Playing Vic Fontaine every hour of every day, <laughs> using really foul language and then like yeah. squatting on your dead body after you die in Vic Fontaine's yeah. lounge. The only thing 
13 year olds love more than crooning is teabagging <laughs> it's true wow well uh how are we gonna watch it ben uh it's up to what we roll at the game of buttholes will of the prophets to determine that's true we are on square 44 presently out ahead we've got a coco no-no and i think we could hit that space butthole so i'm gonna go ahead and roll this bone you're required to learn as you play roll i want to go forward not backwards did I win? Hardly. Big roll, Adam. I, I got us all the way past the butthole onto square 50. I rolled a six. All right. Yeah. Good. Good job. I know. <laughs> we're halfway through the board. I think Mordhammered is within range, given the amount of episodes we have. Could happen. It could still happen. Don't give up on us, everybody. Yeah, people really want us to be hammered for a super sincere, sad... <laughs> serious finale to Deep Space Nine. I'm sure <laughs> sure everyone would love that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, I think that's just about all we have for the folks today. Hey, I want to I wanna say something at the end that we don't normally say that I want to be a little, a little more emphatic about. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Generation. I, both Ben and I really, really appreciate... Uh, everyone out there who who subscribes to and listens to and enjoys the show like yeah. and and i know we usually usually use this time to you know encourage people to support it which we still do we still need your support to continue but like first and foremost thanks a lot yeah you rule uh thanks also to our buddy bill tilly who runs our social media accounts at greatest trick on twitter and instagram and thanks to adam ragusia who made all of the custom theme music for the show off of uh, Dark Materia's lead. Adam Ragusea, now, of course, a massively successful food YouTuber. Uh, go go check out his channel. Hey, uh, thanks to everyone who wrote into the Drunk Shimoda email box. Uh, ben and I aren't going to be checking that anymore. Uh, that's just going to be... Uh, it got too hard. Yeah. Too many. Too many emails. Uh, we... We appreciate the enthusiasm, but it, it just became uh, too big of a thing. So, sorry about that. If you do really, really need to get our attention, uh, slide into the DMs on Twitter, I suppose, and Bill will make us aware. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to be. Yeah. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. Just probably going to gonna put on some... Uh, some fun vintage wear, right? Oh yeah, that would be great. That's Some nice the, outfits would really would really make the next episode fun. That's, I mean, that's the fun of of doing the the jazz horse. Get to choose your costume. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I've been playing Japanese jazz horse lately. What is you that? With that, Ghost of Tsushima. What? It's like a it's like a katana samurai sword fighting game but it's like also you ride a horse around this oh, island wow it's, it's really fun cool all right i'll look into that
Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.